We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Daymore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Thursday night from Memphis, where I just watched the Wolves lose to the Grizzlies by eight. Final score 116 to 108. The Wolves definitely fumbled this one away late in the game. You saw that if you watched it, but I do got to say, I think the Wolves match up well with the Grizzlies. I, I really do think if these two teams played 10 times at the Wolves, win at least five of those games and I, I don't say that as some proof that the wolves are actually awesome or you know at the same level that the the grizzlies are i i literally just think they match up well with them compared to the other top teams in the west and memphis is certainly one of those top teams in the west they're now 30 and 14 at the three seed in the western conference tonight was their 11th win in a row so to that end, being able to match up well with that caliber of team is a compliment. The Wolves were up by seven at halftime tonight, and they really should have won this game if they hadn't blown their execution down the stretch. If the Wolves do somehow get the sixth seed, I think you'd, you'd love to be you'd love Memphis to be the three seed, you know, far more than a matchup against Phoenix or Golden State, who are the one and two right now, and I think far more than you'd like a matchup against Utah or even Denver. And the real reason why the Wolves do match up well and why you would want that is that they can manipulate Memphis with Cat. You know, Memphis is a strong team and they play physical, but they don't have a matchup for Cat. If the Wolves match Memphis's physicality, just trying hard, which I don't think they did consistently tonight, then when they are bringing that physicality, when when they are playing strong, then Cat can just kind of control the flow of what Memphis is doing. And tonight we saw it in the first half. Finch used Cat to manipulate the Memphis defense by just playing five out and having Cat at the top of the key. You look at the box score at halftime and Cat only has seven points. And so maybe it doesn't pop there. But you also look at that halftime box score and you see that Ant has 25 at halftime. And maybe you think, oh, Ant is just taking over. But really, it's Cat's position on the floor and the attention that he requires on the perimeter that made it so Ant could consistently get to the rim. Yes, Ant hit four threes in the first half. That wasn't necessarily a Cat thing. But 
13 of his 25 first half points were a product of attacking the basket. The media seats here in Memphis were right behind the Wolves bench and Finch in the first half kept telling Cat to set up higher and higher at the top of the key. They wanted that space for for Ant. I honestly thought the Wolves were going to win the game pretty handily after halftime. I mean, what do you do if you're Memphis in that situation? You know, if you peel the big off of Cat to help out on Ant at all, then Cat should be able to eat from three. That's why the third quarter of this game was just so bizarre to me. The Wolves chose to take Cat out from being beyond the arc, and they put him back in post-up situations. And Cat, you know, as he does, he hit a few tough shots from there, but he also had three turnovers. It was more of those bad pass out of double team situations, and it was more offensive fouls. And also, to kind of compound that with Cat's usage up in the paint, then Ant's path to the paint was also kind of cut into. Ant only had two buckets in the second half, and the second was with four pointless bucket with four seconds left in the game when the Wolves were down by 10. I haven't had the chance to go back and watch it, so I'm not sure if it was some sort of like big change in the way that Memphis was guarding Ant and what they went to, but I did ask Finch after the game if he felt they changed anything up in how they were guarding Ant from the first half to the second half. Here's Finch's answer. Uh, not really. I mean, Ant didn't. He he was super aggressive, played off the catch, and everything was very definitive in the first half. And the second half, he did a lot, you know a lot of ball holding, and then they'd come over and they'd tilt the floor. But that was not because he, you know, I don't think they did a whole lot different. I think just he just held more. We've talked a lot over the course of this year about how the Wolves' offense in nature is gonna be some baton passing by the big three. You know, Ant takes the load for a little bit. D'Lo takes the load for a bit. Cat takes the load for the pick. It, it, it like, it's kind of like Brooklyn in in the same sort of way. And I say that to point out that I don't think baton passing is necessarily a bad thing. Like three scores like that, you kind of got to do it. But tonight kind of has me wondering if the order of the baton passing matters. Tonight was was a game where they passed the baton from Ant to Cat, and it didn't work which I feel like is different than when the baton passes from D'Lo to Cat, which has worked. You know, a big D'Lo quarter often seems to translate to a subsequent big quarter from Cat. Or even the same thing when the baton passes from Cat to Ant. That seemed to work too. But I don't think the Ant to Cat one works as well, or even the Ant to D'Lo one. And I think that is in part a product of Ant struggling to engage himself when he isn't the baton carrier. You know, to Cat's credit, Cat impacts the game when he isn't scoring. Ant kind of just goes to the corner and chills. You know, not to compare Anthony Edwards to Andrew Wiggins, but I remember feeling and seeing that same sort of thing from Andrew Wiggins when he was here as well. I think engaged Ant, even when he's not the primary focus of the play, can still be impactful. He just isn't doing that consistently. Because the defense doesn't know that Ant isn't the focal point of an action. There, he can he can be a decoy. There were just too many chilling in the corner possessions from Ant tonight, particularly in the second half. Even though individually he did have a big game by the end of the night, and I think that's one reason the engagement of Ant. One reason it's really important to play with pace for this Wolves team. I don't think Cat or D'Lo necessarily need pace to do their thing offensively. Honestly, they might be two players who are just kind of almost better in slowed down situations. 
But an up-tempo game, I think, keeps Ant going. Finch talked about how the end of the game, in particular for the Wolves tonight, lacked pace. And Ant brought that up in his post-game as well. Here's what Ant had to say about what was missing tonight. And you guys were were still like right in there with it down the stretch and into the fourth and or uh, last three or four minutes. And to have a few of the turnovers that you guys did and just in the half court or offensive fouls and things, how much uh, how much do you have to clean up just in terms of late game execution just to be sharper? Uh, I think a good thing Coach said was like I was just telling them we was just playing slow. So like. And I don't think that uh, benefits me either, like playing slow, because I'm I'm trying to put pressure on the rim. So playing slow, they're able to load up and protect the rim. So coach had a great point about us playing slow down the stretch. Like we need we need to still play with uh, pace. Jace, go ahead. Hey, and it seems like you guys are just little things here and there. Um, you know, transition defense these last couple games, offensive defensive rebounding tonight, away from like going on those those big streaks that you envision. Is that frustrating or encouraging to know literally it's just coming down to those little things for you guys right now? It's uh both. Um, because we don't have we don't have the time to let little things, we don't have the time to take L's that we we should have won. I mean, like especially tonight, I feel like we definitely should have won this game. Um, and especially New Orleans. Uh, we don't have time for that, man. We're trying to get as many wins as possible. Um, like I said, these games hurt when you doing everything right and comes down to the very end and we just can't get a get a, a rebound to finish the possession. I wanted to leave that second question and answer in there because I think Ant is right to say that these are L's that they're taking that they can't afford. I mean we'll see what happens in the coming week against Golden State and then on the road for a back to back against the Knicks and the Hawks. But I think we could look back on tonight's loss and the loss in New Orleans on Tuesday as some real missed opportunities. If the Wolves do lose to the Warriors, Knicks, and Hawks over these next three games and the pattern they've kind of been rolling with all year of winning streak and then losing streak, if that continues, I think we'll point to the loss to the Pelicans and this loss to the Grizzlies tonight as how they could have avoided falling into another losing streak. I mean, it's hard to win on the road in the NBA period. You know, even that the Pelicans game isn't a gimme. And certainly playing the red-hot Grizzlies on the road is nowhere near a gimme. But if you're going to be an over 500 team in the NBA, you kind of need to dictate a little bit more. The Pelicans game, as Ant said, that should have been a win. And tonight was a missed opportunity because the Wolves do match up well against the Grizzlies. We saw it in the first half. I think at both of these last two games, the Wolves beat themselves. We'll take a quick break here, and then I want to talk about the end of tonight's game specifically. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' eight-point loss in Memphis on Thursday night. With one minute and 47 seconds to go in the game, the Wolves were down by one and they had the ball. It was kind of felt like it was going to come the whole night, like late game execution. That time was going to come. And and it did it on, on that possession with one minute and 47 seconds left. The Wolves ran a high pick and roll with Cat and D'Lo that led to a swing to Ant who drove to the bucket. Ant met some resistance on that drive, so he tried to kick it out. But the pass went right to Desmond Bain who goes down the other way for a layup for the Grizzlies. Next possession, Wolves are now down three. Cat and Pat Bev run a high pick and roll where Cat flares out on the pop. He gets the ball on the swing, shoots the three, but kicks his leg out, so he gets called for an offensive foul. Grizzlies go down on the other end. John Conchar hits a three. Just like that, now the Grizzlies are up by six with a minute left. Finch calls a timeout after that three. And there's still a minute left in the game at that point. So I was really interested to see how the Wolves would react. If they could keep their heads cool and still make that a game. I mean, down six with a minute left and you have the ball. That isn't a death sentence at all. The next possession, though, Pat Bev drives to the bucket and Cat shoves Jaron Jackson Jr. and gets called for another offensive foul. And, you know, that about did it. Cat went from being a weapon the Grizzlies didn't have a matchup for in the first half into becoming a weapon for the Grizzlies in late game situations. You know, two offensive fouls with the game on the line there is just it's killer. After tonight, Cat leads the NBA in offensive fouls with 42 on the season, and that's 14 more offensive fouls than DeMontis Sabonis, who has the second most offensive fouls in the league. I mean, it just is what it is. Like Cat's offensive fouling is objectively an issue that has not been getting better for the Wolves. Chris Finch was asked about that after tonight's game. Um, one thing with uh, with Carl, he's been called a lot this year for kind of kicking that leg out on the shot um, for, from three. Do you see anything there? Or I mean, are there some tough calls that way? Or is he doing something that can be cleaned up a little bit that way? Yeah, he leads the league in offensive fouls, John. Um, something that we've discussed with him. And uh, it's something that, you know, he's got to try to clean up. Uh, but, you know, um, yeah, so it's 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 been it's been a disgust. Uh, Got to break some old habits, but you know I feel for him sometimes. I mean, he plays forty minutes tonight and goes to the free throw line one time, and uh, you know, Jaron Jackson goes ten times, and I didn't see a lot of differentiation between the two types of drives. To be quite fair, I think that answer from Finch is both fair and accurate. Both points of it, you know, when Cat is going to the bucket, he doesn't get a lot of calls. I think it is a somewhat fair gripe from both Cat and Finch that he doesn't get shooting fouls. 
But the offensive fouls are something that exists outside of that, too. Cat does often flail like he did on the leg kick. He does often push like he did on the Jackson play. And he does often set moving screens. And we're just beyond the point of this officially being an issue. Even if Cat doesn't think they are fouls, he's consistently being called for them. And that just demands an adjustment. A physical adjustment in how he's maneuvering his body, but also a mental adjustment that just lets go of the idea that the refs are totally out to get him. It's paralyzing him. Cat might not get a superstar whistle when he's going to the basket, and that might be unfair, but it can also be mutually exclusive that he's bringing you know, some of this other stuff on himself. Having one and a half times as many offensive fouls than the second highest offensive foul player is a clear indicator of a specific type of behavior. And that type of behavior, it just takes away from so much of the great value that Cat does provide in all the other elements of the game. I was sitting next to a national media member at the game, and and he told me that he voted Cat not only to be an all-star, but an all-star starter. Uh, He said, you know, he's just having a really good year. The numbers are ridiculous, which... Both parts of that are true. But this writer went on to say that those numbers led him to vote Cat as a starter over Draymond Green and over Rudy Gobert on his ballot. And that just just brings up a really interesting dynamic when it comes to player evaluation, right? Like Cat is the heavy numbers guy who doesn't do all of the little things every night versus two guys in Green and Gobert who kind of thrive in the little things but don't put up the big individual numbers. And I guess, you know, I don't know exactly which one is right or wrong, but it's it's just interesting. And it was on my mind as I was walking back to the hotel, just kind of thinking about we had that conversation in the first half. And I was just thinking about it, given what transpired at the end of the game, specifically with Kat missing on the little things tonight late. It kind of like reminds me of when coaches save their challenge for the end of the game, right? They just. They let go of a, you know, an obvious challenge situation earlier in the game for two points to save it for later in the game for, you know, more valuable points, I guess, which is basically the logic of two points at the end of the game matters more than two points early in the game. And I think Cat's impact this season is more two points early in the game. At least for now, at least until some of the stray voltage from these offensive fouls gets ironed out. Let's close on a positive topic. D'Angelo Russell continued his just scorching shooting lately uh, tonight. He had a, he had another efficient 29 points. He was 6 of 11 from deep, 5 of 8 from 2. The, the shot making we've been waiting for all year from D'Lo has it's been here over these past four games, particularly from deep. Since D'Lo was benched at the close of that first game against the Thunder last week, he has made 19 of his 35 three-point attempts over the past four games. That's 54% from deep on heavy volume. But he's also doing it from two as well. Over those four games, he's 17 of 25 from two, 68%. Cat and D'Lo did their post-game press conference together, so you'll hear Cat kind of pop in on this question I was asking D'Lo, but I thought this was eventually uh, a really interesting explanation from D'Lo on why the shot wasn't there at the beginning of the year beginning of the year. Here's Cat and D'Lo after I asked about what has gone into D'Lo's hot shooting lately. 
he, he was old. 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 The game owed him. You know, he was missing some shots for a while, and, and he was old. So this is just the game. You know, that's what God's paying back the debt that they they owed to D'Lo. He's shooting the ball well because he puts the work in every single day. He comes in every single day ready to work. I see with my own eyes. Our team sees it. He's, he's working tremendously hard. Even when he's struggling, he's working even harder. So he was old this. He's old this kind of this kind of stretch of shooting the ball like this. So I still don't game. know what you asked. He was saying this is <laughs> I answered it. You get it. No, that's love. Yeah, I Uh, I mean, just to piggyback on him, I put the work in, so I trusted. But I think what was killing me is overdoing. If that makes sense. I was overworking. I was overthinking. I was over trying to be overprepared, overproactive with how can I approach the game. So my mind was just fried, you know, by trying to overdo things. And I heard one of our vets say, just simplify it and do less, you know. I'm thinking so much. Yeah, it allows you to not think as much. And, I spent so much time pregame trying to see the ball go in and remember this and that. And when the game was started, we kind of become uh, me thinking the whole game instead of simplifying my pregame. Now going into the game, it's just a perfect amount of time, you know, focused on basketball versus my whole day training, you know, with basketball. So, yeah. I think a lot of that makes sense, particularly when we think back to the beginning of the season where D'Lo just kind of felt stuck in the mud often. Some games where he just wasn't himself and he was just turning it over a bunch. And I remember that one quote a few games into the year where he said he just forgot how to play basketball in one game. And I think if, you know, if being mentally fried was playing a big role in what was holding D'Lo back early on, I don't think you can undersell how valuable it would be if he has ever overcome that and if he can sustain it. Like I said, it's 54% from three and 68 from two over these last four games. Prior to going down with COVID, Dela was shooting 33% from three and 44% from two, which were at or near career low numbers from him in both of those categories. I mean, with Dela, you mix in a boost in shooting the rest of the way with what he has been providing defensively consistently all season, and you have a very, very impactful player. I just think right now, Dio has a big green upward pointing arrow on his talk right now, at least in my book. All right, let's close tonight with some notes from prize picks. I made four picks tonight and I got two of the four correct. I took the over on 17 and a half points for Dilo tonight. Just given what we've seen from him lately, I think he's a positive value prop on even you know 20 a night right now. The shot making and shot selection has been on point. We saw it again tonight. D'Lo finished with 29. I took the under on five made free throws from Cat. Logic there was that Memphis was a team where it makes sense to use Cat as a spacer. Again, in the first half, we saw that. And at the end of the night, Cat finished with just one free throw attempt. So we got that one correct. I also took the over on nine and a half points from Patrick Beverly tonight. Finch said before the game that Beverly would be off of his minutes restriction. So this was kind of a volume logic from me. But Beverly did not have it going offensively tonight. He was 0 for 5 from 3 and 1 for 4 from 2. He finished with just 3 points. And then I also stupidly bet against John Morant. I took the under on 7 assists. 
I just thought Patrick Beverly and Jaden McDaniels would make it tough on him. And, you know, to some extent they did. It was it wasn't a huge night for Ja. He finished with only 16 points, but he did get nine assists. So I missed that one, too. Two and two on the night puts us at 79, 73 and six on these prize picks for the year. A reminder that prize picks is easy to download if you want to play or get your friends to play with you. If you download the app, do me a favor and create the account with the promo code Dane. That lets prize picks know you came for me, but it also gets you a free $100 in your account as a sign-up bonus. That's about all we got for tonight. I'm really interested to see how this Wolves team responds on Sunday night against Golden State. A, a two-game, even just a two-game losing streak should provide some desperation for this team given you know, the level that I think we're all holding them to and that they're holding themselves to as an expectation. They also only have two other home games for the rest of the month. That should provide some desperation too. A lot of road games here over this these next few weeks. You know, like Ant said, they they can't afford to be taking these L's right now if they want to get to where they want to get to. I think this Wolves team does have it in them to finish the season as the sixth seed in the West. But to do that, more needs to start clicking. Start clicking. I, I think you can get that sixth seed. And I think you, maybe you can get a first-round matchup against the Grizzlies. I think that would be a blast, and it would be a great excuse for me to come back to Memphis as well. Uh, you all have a great weekend, and I will talk to you Sunday night after the Warriors game, and I will be back in Minneapolis. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.